Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It's time for the match preview. Newcastle head down to Nottingham Forest on Friday on the back of a 2-1 win over Wolverhampton Wanderers. I'm joined by John Gibson to look ahead to the game against Forest. John, how are we keeping? Nice to be back in recording on the back of a win. Absolutely. I, I mean, it was so uplifting and such a relief at the same time. Relief, obviously, uplifting because I thought it was a terrific performance. The sort of football we played just before half-time, from the goal to half-time, was absolutely scintillating and was back to Newcastle at their best. You get this horrific feeling when we when we gift them a goal um, in equaliser because 1-1 is the traditional result with Wolves, that here we go again. But... Uh, we got the winner and I think it was deserved on the day and an absolute relief. And it's, it's lifted the mood, Andrew, because there's a belief that we're back to what we were. And we hope to get that confirmed, of course, on Friday night. Yeah, Eddie Howe made five changes. He doesn't like to make a lot of changes, so that number might have surprised people. One was enforced, one was expected with Fabian Cher coming back in for Jamal LaSalle's. But I think... Probably what wasn't expected, John, was the other three changes that he made all probably did enough, I would say actually definitely did enough in, in Isaac's part to, to stay in the team against Forrest. And that was very important because you wouldn't want to have made those changes that you did against Wolves and head into the game against Forrest and think, well, well, they didn't really do anything. They didn't give us a dilemma to, 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 to face. It didn't give us a, a choice to make. But actually everyone that came in played really, really well. Yeah, I thought so. I thought they were the difference to a great extent, the, the, the lads that came in. I mean, I was staggered when I first heard, you know, the news that there was five changes. But then when you listen to it carefully afterwards, there was actually only two that were unenforced. I mean, even Isaac coming in, I mean, Eddie Howe explained Wilson had been ill, hadn't been training and was lucky to make the bench had done terrific uh, to put himself forward for the bench. So that one was forced upon him. Murphy was to a great extent because Gordon was injured. So that was a change he had to make. And Willick had to be made for Joe Linton because Joe Linton was banned. So there was only two that he voluntarily made for me. Um, and, and that was Shaw for Lascelles and, and Maxi for Almiron. So it wasn't as against the grain as it first appeared. 
I thought it all worked because I thought the front three who were completely new were terrific during that spell uh, just before half time in particular. Second half, things change because subs come on, etc., etc. But that spell before half time when we were at our scintillating best, playing at pace, quick, attacking, inventive, was the three front. And I thought Willock was colossal as well. Uh, so the changes made all the difference. There's no question in my mind to that. And I think we were honestly in need of that because it was going a little bit stale. The boys that had been in had done terrific for us in the first half of the season, but it was going stale. A couple of changes were these. I'm pleased the others were forced upon him, and I'm no doubt that him privately is pleased to be forced upon him as well because they worked an absolute treat. Hey, and good for him. He made the right calls. If these people were out, it's who do you bring in and what do you do? And the calls were all spot on. I thought all five worked uh, very, very well. And Shaw did, which we would expect. Uh, you know, he, he worked because... Um, He's right-sided and he's natural and so comfortable on the ball. So they all worked. It was a it was a real uplifting performance at a very time we needed because, quite frankly, we'd run out of chances. We had to take this chance because we'd run out of chances. If we didn't take this one, and we were all set up. I mean, Liverpool lost, Brentford lost, Fulham lost, Brighton dropped two points. It was set up for us. But, of course, you've still got to do it. And, and we did do it, and that was terrific. You mentioned Joe Willock there. He was my man of the match. I thought he was absolutely superb and really important that when such a big player like Joe Linton is missing and you're given the opportunity to replace him, you step up and you take your opportunity and you make it you know, a really tough decision for Eddie Howe in a case of what to do next. I know Joe Linton's not going to be playing against That's Forrest, but Joe yeah. Willock has another stormer against Forrest. Obviously, they go away to uh, the, to Dubai and then they come back. It makes Eddie Howe's decision that little bit harder. You don't want an easy decision to make when you when you have the players returning. Um, and Isaac as well, you know, he, he can't do any more than put the ball in the back of the net and say to Eddie no. Howe, your decision's been justified. And that's exactly what Eddie Howe wants. He wants his strikers competing against one another. And Callum Wilson will know he's going to have a battle on his hands to get back into that starting eleven not just for Forrest, but for the games after the international break as well. Oh, there's no question. Um, and I mean, that was the good thing because there was pressure on Willick and you said, you know, Willick did that and, and, and created a thing. Hey, I deserve my place. Uh, and he needed to do that because his reputation was riding on it a little bit. But so did Isaac. I mean, Isaac could have belly flopped. Uh, you know, he's been pushed so much by me by you, by most people, certainly by the fans, to, to play centre-forward because uh, Wilson's looked jaded. Now, maybe the, that decision was made easy for Eddie because Wilson was nowhere near um, fit enough to start. By Eddie's own words, he, was, he, he did well to get on the bench. But, I mean, that was a, a different sort of centre-forward. He could have flopped. He didn't. He looked everything we hoped that he would be. What I like about him is that he goes behind. He, he goes behind defences. That pulls the defenders back towards their own goal. They're turning and having to run back. That, in turn, creates so much space in midfield for the midfielders to come onto that space. So we move our play 
20 yards upfield automatically with that sort of player, the sort of player Isaac was. And, you know, whoever plays centre-forward these days, if it's Wilson or it's Isaac, they know they can run themselves into the ground petrol-wise, they can get an empty tank in about an hour or, or, or 70 minutes because they'll be brought off and the other one will be brought on. Wilson used to, came off and Isaac was brought on. It was the other way against Wolves. So the centre-forward can give that bit extra physically because he knows that he'll probably be brought off in 65, 70 minutes and, and he can have had such an impact on the game by then. And... Um, I was delighted for Isaac. I was also delighted for for Willock because you need that. And, and we need more than an automatic 11. What was worrying us during the poor run was that we were virtually operating on the same 11, which virtually picked itself regardless of the result. That is unhealthy. And, you know, if, if we've got Isaac in there. I mean, Wilson cannot start ahead of Isaac at Nottingham Forest. That's impossible the way Isaac played. And Willock's got to start anyway because Joe Linton's not there. Now, it can be that Willock hits another belter at Forest and let's pray that he does. Then all of a sudden the decision is not just is it him or Joe because Joe can go and play left wing with with Gordon injured. If, if necessary, Willock can get the position and force Big Joe to play left side up front. Um, but again, the two guys have played wide. I thought Maxi did well, and I thought um, I thought Murphy did well. They would certainly have, have staked their claim to say, hey, don't forget we're around, and we're not just here to make up the numbers. Mm, yeah, just on Murphy, you'll be well aware, our listeners will be well aware that uh, him, him starting against Wolves earned me a Nando's, courtesy of Aaron Stokes, because we had a bet on that Murphy would start. Aaron wasn't too confident he would. We did the big... Nando's reveal on our YouTube channel. So if you haven't subscribed, head over to YouTube, put in everything's black and white podcast. You can see what we ordered from Nando's. And then we did our player ratings as well from the game against Wolves. Um, there was some disagreement about who was man of the match because everyone seemingly played so well. So head over to that. You can see the, the big Nando's reveal. And I promised Aaron that would be the last I'd mention of it. So there we go. But do head over to the podcast channel. Um, I thought it might get a little mention. I don't know what made me think that, Andrew, but I just had a feeling. I've been milking it for everything it's worth, John. Um, <laughs> what I was impressed with with Isaac was I thought we saw different parts of a good game with him. You know, really good goal with the header, but he looked strong. He was running at the defence, you know, and I think maybe the fear from some was that can can he can, can he be an all rounded striker? And I think we saw elements, and he's got to do it on a, on a consistent basis. That hasn't been easy because he hasn't had the run of games to do it in. I think we saw elements of an all-rounded striker against Wolves and, and hopefully going forward we see that, obviously we see that more of that and he can prove himself to be, be an out-and-out striker because that has been the big the big debate. Yeah, I, I mean, frankly, he came as an out-and-out so he came as a centre-forward. You know, we, we saw Joe Linton and I still don't know to this day who decided it's in James's Park. He was a number nine. Because even when he played in Germany, he played as a left-sided attacker, the position we've talked that he could play when he comes back. Uh, he played as a left-sided attacker. I don't know that he was ever a number nine, although physically he looks like one, but he didn't play like one. Um, 
But this guy has always been a centre-forward. He's got 30-odd caps. For Sweden, is a centre-forward. So why anybody should think he's not one, I'm not certain. A apart from the fact that playing with his back to his goal isn't something he does. Um, but he's, he's only 23 and he's got 37 Swedish international caps. So, you know, he is a centre-forward. He plays it differently to Wilson plays it. Um, and there's some big advantages he's got over Wilson. Running in behind and he's got blistering pace. He runs in behind ever so well and he drags defenders all over the shop. Ironically, supposedly not the greatest strength of his game is supposed to be in the air, despite being six foot four. I mean, Burns, six foot seven of them, he's terrific in the air in his own penalty area and hopeless in the air in, the, in their penalty area. Um, but yes, that's not supposed to be his greatest strength, but he should. it was a wonderful finish from a wonderful ball in. The whole thing about the goal was absolutely excellent. And it does look, you know, we've had two huge glimpses of what this guy can be. One was his debut at Liverpool and one was this game against Wolves. And we had the bad injury sandwiched in between uh, and that seemed to knock him back in. And Eddie, we've got to be truthful, was reluctant to start him. And he's a great Wilson fan. And um, Isaac's made his point. Willick's made his point. Eddie, it's not so easy as just putting us two on the bench, mate. We don't like it on the bench. We like it on the field. Now drop us. And, and of course, both are undroppable at first. Forget that Joe Linton's not available. There's no way you could drop Isaac for Wilson and there's no way you could drop Joe Willick for anybody after the two displays they put on against Wolves. Hmm. Well, I guess the only two real debates about the starting eleven against Forrest will be does Murphy and does Alan St. Maximum keep their spot in the start 11? For me, I think it's Alan St. Maximum that's most a threat in place of uh, Almiron. I think, though, well, mm, do you know what? I keep flip-flopping, John. I think Murphy will keep his spot, and I think Almiron will come back in for Alan St. Maximum. Well, my, what feel do you reckon? my feeling on that is twofold. First of all, um, Anyhow, doesn't like changing a side, especially a winning side. When Newcastle win, you name me the last time he changed a winning side voluntarily, not through injury. And I think I can't remember the last time that he changed a winning side. And we haven't had a winning side for an awful long time, Andrew. We've got a winning side. I And by the way, my other thing, uh, Miggy is the obvious. For me, the only change possible would be if you bring Miggy in or you don't. The, the, the one that's the only guy knocking on the door saying, and that's because he got his goal in the second half. If Miggy needed a rest before the game, take away that one kick, and the same applies now. And, and what's more, I thought Murphy and Sam Maximum did well in that the first half when we took them apart. But Second half's a different ball game. All subs come on, they bring subs on, we bring subs on. The flow is so much different. But when we were at the top of our game 
it was the starting eleven that that did it. And therefore, you must stick with it. What are you going to say to Miggy or Murphy? You dropped some. Well, wait a minute. I thought I did terrific, and we did terrific, and we won, and we never won. Well, it doesn't matter. You still dropped some. And, you know, it's difficult. I don't think he will. I think he will go with the same starting 11 and use Miggy as the impact sub. And yet, I mean, that's not going to last for, for long. We know Miggy's going to get in the team very quickly again. Uh, after the international break, whether it's a dip in form by either Miggy, uh, sorry, by either Maxi or by Murphy, he'll get back in the side. For this match, I would keep it the same 11, and I think how will, because he doesn't change winning teams, and it's sometimes as simple as that. One man who definitely will start, I'm, I'm willing to bet Nando's myself on it, is Dan Byrne. Now, there was so much debate about Dan Burns' place in this starting eleven. Me, uh, I wanted Matt Target to start against Wolves. I thought he would start. He stuck with Dan Byrne. I thought Dan Byrne had a superb game. And we spoke about it yesterday, me and Aaron, um, on, on the YouTube channel, just how nice it was to see Dan Byrne say to any doubters, to say to the critics, we're there. I'm, I'm left back here. And Matt Target might be fit, but I'm not going anywhere without a fight. And I thought he had a really good game against Wolves. He'll be in the starting lineup against Forest. And, you know, he'll probably have another decent game against Forest on Friday as well. Well, I hope so, yeah. I mean, I hope they all do. And yes, he, he's justified his position. And I hope he thoroughly enjoys it because he won't be left back next season. He may be sent a half, but he won't be left back because they'll buy one. Um, and if we are going to make the steps forward that we want to make, then we do need a quality left-back, like Trippier is on the right side. We need a quality left-back. We need a, a right-sided centre-half. They're not going to buy a left-sided one when they've got Botman and Burn. And I'm not meaning Shaw's necessarily got to go out the side, but you need that. You need a couple of midfielders and a front-man. But they will buy a left-back. Left back next season won't be Dan Byrne, and that's not me having a go at Dan Byrne because the job he's done up here has been nothing short of phenomenal. And the job he's done at left back, considering he's not a left back, he's a left sided centre half, and considering he's not built for a left back. How many six foot eight left backs with legs that go all the way up to the armpits are they playing in the, in the Premier League? So he's not naturally equipped to play left back. But he's done it terrifically. And the, one of the reasons, I think, why he, he is the success that he is, and he's had a couple of dips, and you're going to when you're playing left-back in you're a centre-half. But one of the reasons why he does an honest job for, for Newcastle United is he doesn't forget who he is. He doesn't forget who his strengths are, and he doesn't forget what his weaknesses are. He doesn't try to be Maldini. He, he doesn't try to be a ball player. He doesn't try to get down the wing, flick the ball inside and it, when attacking, etc., etc. He knows what he's good at. His strength is defending, etc., etc. And he sticks with that. If you suddenly, if you're an honest-to-goodness player, and that's meant as a compliment, but you suddenly think you're a ball-playing superstar, you get taken to the cleaners big time. He doesn't do that. He knows what's got him this far from being it has them pushing a trolley to, to being in the Premier League with Newcastle United and playing in the Wembley Cup final. 
and he does he plays to his strengths and that's absolutely terrific uh, do you think the, the opposition, John, maybe underestimate Dan Byrne? You know, they maybe look at the left back situation and think that's Newcastle's weak spot there. We'll target him. I'm sure Wolves maybe thought that as well with Triore, but Triore ended up going off at half time, didn't he? Because Dan Byrne just shut him out. And I think sometimes the opposition can be guilty of, of, of underestimating just how in good fin- Dan Byrne is. Yeah, in fairness to the opposition, if you're playing Newcastle United and you look at the back four, which is the best back four in the Premier League on stats, which one would you attack? You would attack Dan Byrne because he's out of position and he's on the he's on the tram lines where you can get exposed for for pace. And the one thing he hasn't got is pace. So if you've got a pacey winger, again, you would have a goal. I mean, opposition will do that. The, the wonderful thing is that when they do that, he's stuck with it and has done a job there. Yes, there's been a couple of major equations, uh, situations where it hasn't worked. I mean, Phil Foden took him to the cleaners at Man City. I mean, it was embarrassing. I mean, Dan couldn't catch him when he was when Foden was on his way back, in the mind when he was going there in the first place. But, I mean, Foden on top form is that sort of quality player. So that does happen. So, yes, there's been moments with Dan. But what you're going to get out of Dan is that consistency. He's never going to think above his station. He's always going to say, this is what I'm, t- to himself, this is what I'm terrific at, and this is what I definitely can't do. So I'm going to do what I'm terrific at. And that's great. And there's obviously been a lot of talk about St. Maxman and, and maybe the reason he doesn't start as many games is because he would leave Dan Byrne exposed. But against Wolves, and I don't know if this is partly because Wolves just weren't very good, but we didn't we didn't see that. We didn't see that fear become a reality. And, and the, the pair seemed to work quite well together. And that could be another element to why both will start on Friday against Forest. Yeah, yeah, yes, I think so. I mean, yes. Uh, Max is never going to give you the cover that, say, Miggy would give you because Miggy will run back all day as well as run forward and help out the and help out the fullback. But I mean, it's nothing new. If you have one of these fancy Dan wingers, and that's not meant as an insult, it's meant as a, a player who loves to do tricks on the ball. I mean, the wheel hasn't been invented. When Newcastle had the entertainers, which was possibly the greatest side Newcastle have had. Of the modern era, not going back to the 50s, of the modern era, then David Ginola, who was twice the talent of Maxi, but he left John Beresford absolutely exposed at left back the whole game. But that was accepted because what Ginola could do when he got the ball meant Newcastle finished runners up in the in the Premier League and 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 Bears, Bears accepted that and got on with it. But you're going to have that. And, and, and the guy behind Max, he is on occasion, is going to be on his own. Um, but that's where I think uh, Dan Byrne uses his nose uh, because he doesn't want to bomb up field in the way that Trippier does. I don't mean he won't do it, but he won't suddenly get on that bike and then and then all of a sudden Maxi loses the ball and you're out of position. He doesn't play the fullback in position in the way that Trippier does. Yeah, no, I think dead right. He knows how to kind of read the game, which is obviously yeah. very important. And we're seeing that with Dan Byrne. Let's uh, talk about just briefly, John, about Nick Pope 
Was he fortunate, do you think, uh, not to be sent off against Wolves? I think he was fortunate. No, he was fortunate that Nout happened, wasn't he? I mean, nothing happened. There wasn't a penalty. There wasn't a sending off. There wasn't... I mean, I just died. I mean, for the second successive home game, remember when he come out and tried to do his header against Liverpool and uh, completely missed it and ended up sticking the ball up his jumper and got a handball and sent off. And then here, here it goes. Now, I know that... Pope is not the best. If if Pope's got a weakness, it's it's the ball at his feet. He's not like the goalkeeper at Man City and the goalkeeper at Liverpool, who play like the ball playing centre half. I mean, those two lads. Uh, that that's not Pope's strength. In these days, that's coming more and more into the modern game. That the goalkeeper's got to be decent on the ground. He, he half makes up for that the, the way he is as a shot stopper, etc. Mind, but my heart was in the mouth. I, of course, he was. I mean, if I, if that had been in the other penalty area, Newcastle had not got a penalty for that, or the bloke sent off, we would have been up in arms. I mean, I was so relieved to get away with it, and there's no question that we did get away with it. It's about time because there's other things we haven't got away with a lot this season. But yeah, we did get away with that. It was a foul, and it could easily have been a red card apart from a penalty. Um, thank goodness it wasn't. And and Pope, thank goodness it wasn't because Pope produced a couple of smart saves later in the game. But of course, he always does. And I think he's a terrific goalkeeper. Again, Nick, I would keep saying to you, mate. Take a leaf out of Dan Burns' book. Remember what you are and remember what you're not. And you're not a goalkeeper that likes the ball at his feet, so don't take chances on that one. You know, just get rid um, in the simplest way possible. But, oh dear, yeah, that was that was a, a penalty. And let's not go further than that. Over, over the whole game, we got the result we, des we deserved. There's no question in my mind. But yes, we weren't quite the team in the second half that we were in the first half. And, but with changes to the personnel, etc., that was always going to be the case. And by Joe Wolf needed the goal when it came. And when when we give Almiran credit for that, and that was his trademark goal this season, isn't it? Coming off the right with a ball on his left foot and, and swinging across the keeper and in the goal. But let us not forget, because the goal scorer always gets the headlines, and that's understandable. They're the blue-eyed boys. My mate Supermac lived on the fact that he was the blue-eyed boy because he stuck the ball in the net. Good for him. It's the most difficult thing to do. But what a ball from Willock to 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 Miggy for the goal. I mean, to see that, he was in a forest. He was in a forest of legs and he threaded it through. And and as long as Miggy was onside, which he was, then you knew Miggy could finish that one. But what a great ball from Joe Willock. And... Uh, we deserved that goal and we deserved that result. Yeah, 100%. And luck was with Newcastle, I guess, and it's not always been with Newcastle throughout the season. So nice to see it was was in an abundance there against Wolves. Let's talk about Forest then, John. Now, they are a team who, well, are very hit and miss. The more, more missed than hit. Uh, one win in six. You got to go back to the 5th of February against Leeds for their last win. Um, Newcastle have only had six points from the last six, so in the form table-wise, they're very close. But this is a game that if you're Newcastle United, you're talking for three points, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, Forest, Forest or Forest. I mean, away from home, they're hopeless. 
they're embarrassing. Unfortunately, this isn't. They're not away from home, but away from home, they're embarrassing. I mean, I, I watch them away from home and they can't score. They've scored about four or something all season away from home. And I just, when they play away, I just think, how many is opposition going to get? But at home, it's different, you know. They haven't lost a game in the last nine Premier League games at the City Ground. That's a great record. That that is a better record than ours because we lost it on to Liverpool. In the in it, it's a better record than lots of teams at the top, and so they are a different ball game. Mainly because they've got a huge crowd behind them that's partisan, like the Newcastle crowd is, and 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 sort of almost drags them over the line. And they played good opposition in that time. If you remember, they got a one-one with Man City. They were actually at, at their ground in this nine-match unbeaten run. They were absolutely pulverised in the scored uh, in about the 89th minute with Chris Wood knocking it in from all of two inches. Um, but nonetheless, it's in the record books. It's 1-1. They, they, they didn't lose to Man City. They are difficult to beat. Um, I mean, Everton had the, the last game there. Everton had a 2-0 lead and ended up 2-2. They're difficult until the final whistle goes at Forest. You're not certain that you've won. Um, the draw, I think they've won four and drawn five out of the nine that they're unbeaten, but they're still unbeaten, so you have to have respect for them at their place. But yes, if Newcastle are going to get into Europe, the beat, as we said last week, the beat Wolves at home and the beat Forest away. Simple as that. Now, there yeah. could be Forest without as many as 10 first team players. We'll find out. Uh, when uh, Cooper speaks in his, his press conference later Cooper, this week. It's all um, right. He's, he made 30 signings in the last two windows, so he can afford to be without 10. In fact, he must be relieved because the rest of them must be knocking at his door every day. He's got that many blokes. They've had to build an extra dressing room to put them in at the city ground. Yes, they've been a tad busy in the market, but they are going to be missing some big players. Uh, probably the biggest one is Brennan Johnson, who... I think many Newcastle United fans would love to see in a black and white shirt. I mean, oh, if he's he, there at he, Forest at the start of next season, I'd be very surprised. He'll be a big, big miss uh, for Forest on Friday. He's the one really quality man, Andrew, that I think they've got. He is a proper centre-forward. Um, a different type of centre-forward to Chris Wood uh, that they took, but he is a proper striker, and um, as his old man was. And he, he's... Um, he would, he, I would be, I don't care what team they put out, apart from I'll be happy to see Johnson not play. The rest, they can just pick the, whoever they want from the 30 odd new ones. Never mind people like Colback and all the other players that were already there. I mean, I, I, they can't, they bring two buses to away games to get all the players on. It, it's absolutely ludicrous, but half of them can't play anyway, and uh, not at Premier League level. Um, so, yes, the team's going to be interesting. There's three ex our old boys that are actually in the club, Shelby, Colback and Wood. We won't see Wood because technically, I believe, he still counts as being on loan from Newcastle, which automatically means he can't play against his parent club, even though the, the um, uh, clause is triggered that he's played the right number of games and it's got to become permanent. I believe that doesn't take place to the end of the season when it becomes permanent. He remains on loan for this, so he couldn't be seen. But in any case, even if on the technicality that he's now 
you know, their player because he's played the right number of games. He got a, a bad injury down at Spurs. He went on as a sub and six minutes later came off with a bad thigh injury. So I don't think he'd be fit either. So we will not face Wood, which I think is a bit of a shame because mm. I would love to face Wood because the biggest certainty then is if Wolves hadn't a centre-forward that scored for a year, that Chris Wood wouldn't score against us on uh, on uh, Friday night. But um, no, I don't think he'll play. Shelby will start. Colback didn't start the last one. He come on, but he's um, he's always in that sort of position where yeah, that comes on and starts. But uh, I don't think we'll worry about Jack either. No, I mean the one you mentioned there is John Josh Shelby, and he's. I think that I mean the ironic thing about him leaving John is that had he stayed at Newcastle, he probably would have started um, a few games of late. He maybe even would have started the final. Um, you know, so. He's gone. That hasn't happened. You watch him at Forest, and he, he just looks like the John Joe Shelby that we saw in 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 recent years in Newcastle. Will pick a pass, a wonderful pass every now and then, but doesn't yet look like he's up to speed. Where he's going to, you know, win you a game. He's going to change a game. Hopefully, that run of form continues on Friday because we know what he's capable of. We know everyone else is hoping that he he writes the headlines of getting the goal against his former club. But you know what he's you know what he's about, Andrew. What he's about is where he is. You know, he can be a star, pick a pass, and everything in a forest side just above relegation. He did it in the Newcastle side under Steve Bruce, just above relegation. He looks a star on those sides. If you progress as far as Newcastle United progress, where you're in the top five and in the cup final, and you're going to go further than that next season, please God. Then he's yesterday's man, and he looks at. I mean, he he, he's, he looks to me as if he's got deep sea divers boots on the way he gets on the the pitch. He's he's two paced, slow, and dead still. Um, I mean, he's got skills. There's absolutely no question, and he's made a decent living out of that. He got a transfer to Liverpool. He got a, a half a dozen England caps. He got a transfer to Newcastle. He's got undoubted skill. But it, this, this is the the downside of his career, if you like. If a career has a peak, he's gone up, he's had his peak, and he's on the hill, still capable of doing things. But I don't think we'll miss him. And if he has a great game against us, it doesn't mean that he should be a Newcastle player taking us forward. I don't think... Let's put it this way. We may be short of Joe Linton um, because of if, if, uh, a ban... But I wouldn't pick Shelby ahead of our three that'll be in midfield at Nottingham Forest. Willock, Sean Longstaff and Bruno. I, I wouldn't put Shelby in then. I know the obvious position that if he was going to get in would probably be for Longstaff. But but no, I, I, thanks, John Joe, for a good service. And I mean it sincerely. Good, honest service to Newcastle. But like everybody's time comes. When when you leave a club and, and a club says thanks a lot, you've been terrific. I think that time will come for John Joe. Um, let's finish off then, John, as usual, with your results prediction. How is this one going to go? Great question. Um I'm very uplifted by what happened against Wolves. I'm very relieved, but I was uplifted because of the way we played. Uh I think he'll start with the same team and I think we'll win. Which yeah, means we're, we're breaking that record of nine unbeaten 
on the bounce in the Premier League by Forest, I think we'll win. Yeah, I, I think Newcastle will win as well. And going to that break, uh, high spirits go off to Dubai in, in good spirits as well and be right in the mix for the top four uh, qualification because, you know, it is in their hands still. And if they're going to do it, they need to be winning these games against the sides lower in the table. Of course, Forrest fighting for the hands, so it won't be easy, as John mentioned there. Terrific record at home for Forrest. But yeah, we're back in Newcastle United to win. Yeah. John, thank you, as always, for popping on to the podcast. To you guys listening, please remember to like and follow and do head over to the YouTube channel for loads of content that you won't see anywhere else on our social media channels. You'll find us at the Everything is Black and White podcast. Head over to the website as well, chronicalive.co.uk for the latest Newcastle United news.